Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. Moments like this, these last two football games, being able to do what we've done, energize a city, right? Energize a, a, a town, energize fans, uh, is only going to make us better moving forward. And that's the part that I'm excited about. No one, no one thought we should be here, and we just kept believing. And it was really cool, really cool to be a part of. And, and it was special. And like I said, just the beginning. You know, I, I go back to April, and I, I told the team in April, I said, expect to play playoff games on the road in Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Kansas City. You know, I think that was this this year, obviously, was huge for, for this organization, for our city, for just our franchise, you know, moving forward. And, and it kind of sets the bar of, of, of who, who we're going to be and, and what we're going to do moving forward. And and that's the mindset and, the, and we won't settle for less than that and this this won't be this won't be the last you guys hear of us so we'll be back this boy got a hit Ten Ten xl 92.5 fm presents jaguars today with your host mike dempsey tony smith and e to the t all right, good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome in to a midweek edition of Jaguars Today. Happy Super Bowl week, by the way. We haven't talked a whole lot of Super Bowl. We'll probably do that over the next couple of days mm-hmm. going forward uh, as we head into the weekend, maybe look at some prop bets and, and stuff. I will say this. I know there's a lot of talk about prop bets on XL Primetime, uh, Tony, because they're degenerate gamblers <laughs> on that uh, corner of 1010XL. But uh, I like uh, at plus 2,600. Any non-quarterback to throw a touchdown mm. in this one, right? Because you've got the ghost of Philly special with, I know Doug Peterson's gone, but, you know, Philadelphia being back in there. Sure. And you've got Andy Reid and all the little creative little shovel passing type stuff he does down there around the goal line. I could see him doing a, a KC special attempt in this football game. Mm-hmm. So, plus 2,600, you know, throw 20 bucks down and – Win yourself a bunch of cash. No doubt. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. How are you? Every- I'm good. Yeah. How's everything? I haven't looked at any of the prop bets yet. No, I, I was, uh, we had a thing for Sirius XM, pick your favorite prop bet. So mm-hmm. I was like, uh, that one jumped out at me. So I kind of like that one. And, uh, you know, I don't quite get the whole bet on the coin flip, bet on the color of the Gatorade, but that's fine. You know what? <laughs> like, hey, you know, you're adults. <laughs> Most of you are listening right now. Do what you're going to do, uh, and uh, if you need help, get it. Uh, E.T., why, why do I go to you if I say that? If you need help, get it. Maybe because oh, you provide help around oh, here. I'll try my best. Not that you need it yourself. How are things this morning? Solid, man. It's Wednesday. Gus Bradley solid or, or E.T. solid? <laughs> E.T. solid. E. All right, solid. well, that's good then. E.T. E. solid, I'll take that. Uh, you know, we've got uh, – our question of the day out there, uh, the, the obviously big story in sports, LeBron James set the all-time NBA regular season scoring mark last night. So we're asking you today, the Chad and Sandy Real Estate question of the day, in your opinion, what's the most impressive NFL all-time mark or statistic? Or, you know, it could even be an all-time single season mark, whatever you like. Uh, you know, we don't, 
it, it, the NFL doesn't lend itself to those statistical comparisons no. like a lot of other sports. It's not like we could quote, um, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's point total in the NBA, and when LeBron finishes, unless he finishes on some kind of round figure, we're not mm. going to be able to quote that number very easily, I don't think either, Tony, but we're aware that we celebrate it. Like Brady, Tom Brady come along and pass somebody in yardage, and you'd be like, yeah, well, you know. He just keeps motoring along. That's what Tom Brady does, you know. Sure. And that he set so many records that maybe it just became passe with him. But it doesn't yeah. seem like we, uh, you know, uh, admire NFL milestones statistically nearly as much as we do in other sports. I remember a big deal was made when Brett Favre and then Drew Brees like took some of those passing records, right? And maybe we were just all burnt out on celebrating passing records. Maybe in the NFL is what happened with Tom Brady. Uh, but I can't remember if the game stopped at all for Tom Brady when he broke any of those records. I remember Drew Brees, I think it was on a Monday night game, and they stopped the game temporarily when he broke the passing record at the time right uh, like they stopped it at least for do a you moment. recall though like a week of coverage leading up to it like there's been all this coverage about which game will LeBron get it because you sure. know it was inevitable that yeah. he was going to get yeah. it barring you know a c- catastrophic injury and so the you know somewhat of the debate this week was well will he choose to get it on Tuesday night there's a nationally televised Laker game on Thursday will he get it in that one you know yeah. and I don't recall the anticipation for a lot of those NFL marks, the way you have them in other sports, obviously in baseball, you know, with all the different home run stuff, everybody counts it down seemingly forever. Whether, I mean, just look at last year with Aaron judge, right? That was just a league record. Imagine if you set the quote, um, Eastern conference score, (laughs) you know, that was kind of the equivalent of that. Uh, and nobody would even know who holds that mark. I wonder no. who does hold that mark. Yeah. Is it is it LeBron? It may be LeBron because he did a lot of his damage in the Eastern Conference. Wouldn't doubt that he has the most points over there. I'm not saying that for a mortal certainty. He certainly could be somebody like Michael Jordan, uh, you know, who's not the all-time leader. But you had Kareem and you had Karl Malone toiling in the Western Conference forever and ever. Yeah, it is. It's just different with football for whatever reason. Right? Ultimate like, team sport. Right? Like, you have these conversations, and it's more, here's the group of four or five guys, right, that we can discuss as the greatest quarterback, the greatest running back, the greatest receiver. Like, those kind of things are more the conversation. Jerry Rice, obviously, has dominated the wide receiver conversation since right. he retired. And maybe in today's modern era, someone will push towards him. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, if – he could have played another two years, but that's a lot to ask, right? To play as well and for as long as Jerry Rice did uh, is pretty incredible. And we've just seen Tom Brady finish up a career where it's kind of the same thing, right? I, I think it's more likely than ever with the way that nutrition and the year-round, these guys keep themselves ready. Like, that's more and more a part of sports. The game let's be honest is just less physical than it was even 30 years ago. sure it just is so these guys can play longer especially playing a position like quarterback where you're going to be as protected as they can protect you and still play a professional football game it's not like you're safe when you walk out on there in the field but you're safer than you were 30 years ago no doubt stepping out on the field to play quarterback and you know it shows up in some of these numbers and stats and for whatever reason football they're just not 
celebrated the same way they are in baseball and basketball especially. What is, and this is not an official question today, but you're welcome to weigh in, Jaguar fans, on this. What's the most impressive Jaguar-related stat or record? Like, I don't know Fred's exact rushing total. No. You know, I don't have Jimmy Smith's receiving totals memorized. You know, it, again, you know, I get – and part of it, starting to get into those five-digit numbers, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a little bit more complicated. The one that jumps out to me is probably Jimmy Smith's 291-yard game mm-hmm. against Baltimore. You know, a single-game record for the franchise. He had three 40-plus-yard touchdowns in that game <laughs> and still only averaged 19.4 yards a catch. Yeah. I had three 40-yard touchdowns and he only averaged 19-something yards a catch in that game. I guess you balance that out with some short ones, obviously. But uh, 15 for 291 and three uh, is maybe the most, the the game that statistically stands out to me more than any other in Jaguar history. If you want to weigh in and maybe take it down that avenue, you're welcome to do that today at 641-1010 on the phone lines or on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures or hit us up on Twitter this morning, as always, at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL, Fat Tony, and at IME to the T. Come on, somebody. Yesterday's uh, poll question got that bad boy up over 1,000 votes by the time we were all said and done. And at least half of you want those chips in the middle of the table. Let's go, T. Higgins, for a first-round pick. I would wager if we had enough options to game this out that – we'd have well over 50% looking to acquire T. Higgins if the cost wasn't a first-round pick. Like 51.1% of over 1,000 votes said yesterday, yes, I'd be in favor of the Jaguars trading the 24th pick, their only first-rounder for T. Higgins, even knowing he's going to want a big-time contract extension on there. Um, No too high of a pick pulled down almost 22%. So if you had said second-rounder, Maybe half of those people would go, you know what, for the 56th pick in the draft, yeah. I'm all about it. And then uh, 27% said he's just not worth the money, so probably not going to look to acquire him at whatever compensation level. But that was kind of a fun one yesterday. And, uh, you know, windows in the NFL are funny. They really are. And we think we're going to have a long competitive window with Trevor Lawrence. Being competitive and being a Super Bowl contender – not necessarily the same thing, right? I mean, could you argue? Could the Jags be considered a Super Bowl contender this year, making it to the final eight? Eh, you could look at it that way. If only they had gotten past Kansas City in a one-score game, you know what might they have done? And if you make it to the NFL's Final Four, you have to be considered a Super Bowl contender. But you look at some of the teams, like the Buccaneers, made the playoffs this year, won their division. Uh, they were, in my eyes, no way a Super Bowl contender. This year. No. So, yeah. I think Trevor gets you in the playoffs a lot of years just with his presence and reasonable roster management. You can't have complete ineptitude uh, putting together a roster around the guy. But um, actual win-the-whole-thing window, uh, sometimes that's a year-to-year basis. You know, hopefully Trevor will be that guy that he is so good like Mahomes one day that you look at every year, you say, you know what, you can lose Tyreek Hill and Look at this. Right, You're yeah. right back in the big game. Yeah, and we'll see if Cincinnati's building something similar right now. Maybe. Right? They've been to the Not Super when they Bowl, give us T. Higgins. Right, Woo! in the AFC Championship game, obviously, this year. So we'll see if that's built for the long haul. Buffalo, look, we've discussed it since they lost that playoff game. 
you know, Bills fans are kind of up and in the air right now. Like, when are they going to get over the hump? Whatever this hump is, when are they going to get over this and become the best team in the AFC, which I think they think they can be, but they haven't been, you know, to this point with Josh Allen at the helm for them at quarterback. So it's not easy, right? It's not easy to find that consistency. I think you give yourself a shot when you got the right coach and right quarterback in place. And I think Jacksonville has that. We'll see if they're able to build it up around those guys. It's not as simple as we got the coaching quarterback, now we go, right? you got to build it up the correct way around those guys and have the right kind of team around them. Kansas City has obviously found that formula, a formula that's good enough that they can let Tyreek Hill walk out the door. Right. Right, and he's still the most dynamic offensive weapon in the league, arguably this year, after they let him go and they're going to the Super Bowl again. Right, That's how well they've built it in Kansas City right now. Can Jacksonville accomplish the same kind of thing? Yeah, and again, it's not just Mahomes, but that's a large part of it. But, you know, can the Jags get that guy, that their version of Chris Jones? Doesn't have to play that position. Sure. Talking about a guy that every week when you show up, defensive coordinators are having nightmares about how we're going to deal with this particular player so uh today got a lot of other things we're going to touch on did i mention rob johnson on the show mm-hmm. today coming up in about uh, what do we got about 30 minutes from now rob is doing some high school coaching and uh mission viejo california uh for the high school out there and uh you know if i'm him i'm putting my feet up and counting my money at the same <laughs> time uh nice uh, nfl career in terms of length for rob johnson of course he was one of the original 1995 draft picks by the Jaguars franchise started one game, and on the strength of that performance, yeah. in which he set an NFL record for completion percentage by a quarterback in his debut, was traded to the Buffalo Bills for the rights to two picks that turned into Fred Taylor and Tavian Banks in the 1998 NFL draft. Imagine if Tavian Banks had stayed healthy, mm-hmm. how... That, I mean, like, we love the trade because you got Fred Taylor. Oh, yeah, we got Tavian Banks, too, right? Who was really good uh, for a, a brief glimmer, a brief moment in time. But uh, we'll talk with Rob about uh, his post-football days, what it was like to be a Jacksonville Jaguar coming out of Southern Cal with Tony Baselli in that inaugural draft and a lot more. That's coming up at 1040 this morning. If you want to get in, again, you know the ways to do it. 641-1010 on the phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures or hit us up on Twitter today. Got a lot of things we'll be discussing, including looking back at last year's draft. Uh, ESPN, uh, as they want to do, redrafted the first couple of rounds. What would Michael Duraco have had the Jags do uh, if things had come off the board a little bit differently, who would he have taken at number one? We'll get into that as we go along this morning as well. So uh, we're all set, ready to roll. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E.T. here with you. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Now, more Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Uh, by the way, congratulations to Don yesterday, who correctly guessed that Rob Johnson would be our guest mm-hmm. today. Guess the guest, Tony. It's a brand new segment on Jaguars today, and uh, he got uh, one of my commemorative bottles. I say mine. I'm just the caretaker of them. Uh, I had a Jaguar fan who was downsizing, leaving town, uh, left me a whole bunch of these collector's bottles from the 1990s, and uh, I got uh, Don one out of the collection that uh, commemorates the awarding of the franchise way back in 93. So uh, coming up on 30 years on that one later on 
this year we'll have to do something to uh, to celebrate. Maybe we'll do like a I don't know radio show something on that day. Mm-hmm. That'll be great. Uh, so anyway, uh, I'll start to give more of those away as we get a little deeper into the off season. Uh, and uh, just one thing uh, today, we're asking about the most impressive. NFL stat or record in honor of LeBron James. Uh, somebody mentioned on the text line, designed by Lifetime Enclosures, most impressive stat to me is Brett Favre's 297 consecutive starts. Given how physical of a game football is, to go that long is incredible. Um, I, I'll have to take your word for it on the number, right? Like, I, I know Brett Favre had the long, long streak. Like, I knew growing up, Lou Gehrig played in 2,130 consecutive games. Mm-hmm. Couldn't tell you how many Cal Ripken played in consecutively, but that number stood for years and yep. years and years and years. But somebody on Twitter made a good point. The first one we got in this morning on Twitter from Joshua said, Bruce Matthews, 293 consecutive starts for a non-quarterback. What's more impressive? Bruce Matthews is getting in more collisions, but Favre is probably taking more kill shots. You know what I mean? Like, like as an offensive lineman, you're not taking the that one – devastating, knock-you-out-for-a-month shot as often as a quarterback might, but you're taking a cumulative yeah. over every single rep, pounding. I just pulled up the all-time consecutive starts list, right, in the NFL, and Brett Favre does top the list with 297. Good job, from, text from line. 92 to 2010. Number two on the list, defensive end Jim Marshall with Minnesota, 61 to 79, 270 consecutive starts. Bill Romanowski, third, with 243. Mick Tinglehoff, the center for Minnesota, with 240. That's a heck of a run. He and Marshall suiting up every week for almost two decades. There for the Minnesota Vikings. That's a little nuts. And Phillip Rivers, the uh, most recent player, on this list at 240 consecutive starts tied for fourth. What, what so those was, are the five. What was Eli Manning? Eli, I, he got set down for Geno Smith. Right. Uh, was the controversy at 210. Because he was seemingly making a run. Yeah. He, um, every, from the moment he got put on the field in November of 2004, that his rookie year when they benched Kurt Warner to put Eli Manning in, he played every game until – November of 2017, Mm. the Giants obviously weren't going in a real good direction at that point in time, but they benched him for Geno Smith for a week, and then Eli got put back into the lineup, killed the streak, 210. I think he would have wound up somewhere around 240 with the games that he played after being benched. Yeah, yeah. he would have gotten to around it, though. All right, uh, let's get into it. Whatever's on your mind today, Jaguar-related, NFL-related, 6-4-1-10-10. Rob Johnson about 20 minutes away. The Rob. Johnson, former Jaguar quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to Will in Atlantic Beach to lead things off this morning on 1010XL. Good morning, Will. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How are you? We're excellent. What's up? Good. So I had heard one time my uh, stepdad had told me that Jim Brown had never been tackled for a loss when handed the ball. And he said he met Jim Brown once, and Jim Brown confirmed it. If, if, if that's a record, that's a crazy record. I, boy, I find that hard to believe, yeah. right? I mean, just, you know what I mean? Like, and I could see that, like, uh, being a story. And, and well, I'm not doubting your dad. You know what I mean? I'm sure that has been talked about. Um, here, I just Googled this. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that came up, my three favorite facts about Jim Brown. Number one, never tackled for a loss. Never missed a play due to injury. Also, the greatest little cross player who ever lived. I don't know who posted that, right? But 
Um, he is arguably the greatest lacrosse player who ever lived. From the people who yeah. follow lacrosse, they will tell you that. Uh, well decorated at the University of Syracuse. Um, or Syracuse University, as the case may be. Um, never missed a play due to injury. So he never limped off for a single rep. I find it hard to believe he's never tackled for a loss a single time in like nine years. But um, that's one of those things that, you know, I don't know how much video exists of every Jim Brown run. Right, Has anyone yeah. gone back and, and checked that? You pro- Maybe you can. I don't know. And it may be true. I don't know, Tony. But that would be pretty damn impressive. Uh, Jim Brown, really, when you, you talk about on a like a per-game, per-play type mm-hmm. basis, still probably the GOAT of running backs. Yeah. Of all time. Yeah. You know, and he got out when the getting was good. And uh, he was healthy, intact, and wanted to go be a movie star. So, good for Jim <laughs> Brown um, for choosing that path. But, uh, man, I I got I to gotta find more, like, official clarification on that one. Right. That's a yeah. tough one to know. Like, that's one anecdotally it probably has been told. And, uh, again, Will's – it may be right. I don't know. It just seems like uh, over – all those years, somebody stuffs you for a one-yard loss at some point, right? Some You're point, at the goal yeah. line. You get knocked back <laughs> to the two on one occasion. I don't know. Uh, anyway, thank you, Will. Let's go to Tom on the west side. Uh, wants to jump in and talk a little Fletcher Cox, it looks like. Hello, Tom. Hey, good morning. Sorry, this mistake is John. Uh, okay, what's anyways. up? Well, I was just curious. This is uh, Cox's last year in Philly. Is he too old? Is he that guy that we could have? that would, you know, give the defensive coordinators nightmares. And uh, I'll, I'll listen to your thoughts off the air. Thank you for taking my call, All right, guys. appreciate you, man. I, I, you know, I can't speak for, you know, would Fletcher Cox ride off into the sunset, Tony, if uh, they win a Super Bowl here, his second one with Philadelphia. I, I can't speak to his desire to continue his career, you know, basically by any means necessary, nor Philly's desire to have him back. Just because he's scheduled to be a free agent mm-hmm. doesn't mean – uh, they wouldn't want him back. Um, looking at, I mean, what I'm looking for, if they go the route of bringing in defensive line help, I got to get pressure on the quarterback. Seven sacks from Fletcher Cox is pretty good, but two of the last three years he had three and a half in each of those. He's still a force, I think, against the run. He's still a physical presence on that line. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, I To me, the Fletcher Cox brand, the name, is going to end up, making him cost more than maybe his actual impact. Now, he may go out there and have three sacks in the Super Bowl, right? And he's a player quite capable mm-hmm. of doing that. Um, but, I, I mean, I wouldn't hate the idea. I just don't know if Fletcher Cox is going to just say, hey, I'm just going to play as long as I possibly can. Uh, not that Jacksonville's in a position now where it's just money that can attract you. You could say, hey, I got a chance to maybe go chase another ring this year, but uh, – I wouldn't hate the idea of Fletcher Cox in a Jaguar uniform, but no. it, it's a stopgap kind of move, I would believe. Yeah, it directly fills what I think is the biggest need on the football team. I do think it's that kind of player, that interior pass rushing kind of guy, which Fletcher Cox can clearly give you uh, if he wants to continue his career. And we'll see what that looks like for him beyond the Super Bowl. But I think it's at least looking in the right direction of what kind of player could come in and give them big impact immediately. I think it is the opportunity is biggest along the interior of that defensive line. It's also one of the more difficult positions to figure out 
in the entire NFL. We say this every offseason, but there just aren't many guys that are big enough and athletic enough to play defensive line or offensive line in the National Football League. There just aren't a whole sure. lot of the bodies that can do it. So if you find a guy that can do it at a Pro Bowl, All-Pro Championship kind of level, and you have an opportunity to go get him, yeah, I'm all for the Jaguars bringing in that kind of guy into that locker room. They need it. It would, I, I you know, the Jags, obviously, and whomever would be interested in uh, Fletcher Cox would have to watch the film on this to try to determine uh, what happened here. But, you know, last year, Philly had, like, less than half the sacks they have this year, mm-hmm. right? And Fletcher Cox had half the sacks he had this year. Yeah. And while Fletcher Cox can collapse the pocket and make life easier for Hassan Reddick and Brandon Graham and uh, all these other guys for Philadelphia, they're doing that as well, right? That you got to – all of a sudden you're like, oh, my gosh, it's coming from everywhere. I mean, the Eagles are on the verge. If they get five sacks of Patrick Mahomes on Sunday or whomever's in it, quarterback, uh, if they get five sacks, <clears throat> excuse me, they'll have the all-time highest sack total of a single season, regular season and playoffs combined. So this is a special pass rush that they've mm-hmm. got. How much of that is Fletcher Cox generated? I mean, he had seven. Think about that. He had seven sacks, and he had four teammates with more than ten. <laughs> Their fifth guy yeah. had seven sacks this year. I mean, it's it, a heck of a year. Then you had Jalen Hurts playing like an MVP with great weapons on offense. Oh, Philly made it to the Super Bowl. Mm. What a shock. I did see Nick Sirianni talking the other night about how he felt like that Jaguar game was a little bit of an eye-opening turning point for them. You know, that to realize they were down 14 to nothing, as we recall. Yep. The torrential rains came in. Jags didn't handle it well, turned the ball over a bunch. Yeah, Cisco had the pick six that day. That's right. Yeah. But Philly, from that point on, was able to come back, take control of the football game, and ultimately won it by, I think, seven. Was it seven? I know it's still a one point. Or a one-score margin. Seven or eight, something like yeah, that. Something yeah, something like It might have been eight. Yeah, yeah. it might have been that, right? But it was still a, a one-possession uh, margin at that point in time. But, uh, you know, who knows? I, look, that's it. Any given Sunday, right? Could the, mm-hmm. Were the Jags capable of beating Philadelphia that day? Well, they're up 14 to nothing. I'm going to say they were capable of it. Yeah. If they didn't, you know, I mean, some of those were mistakes were forced upon them. Some were self-inflicted on that day. And, uh you know, let's hope we get another crack at him next go, year yeah. in a game that means a lot more ultimately. All right, coming up on the other side, we have got a former Jaguar quarterback best known uh, for being involved in a transaction that ultimately brought Fred Taylor to Jacksonville. Rob Johnson is going to join Jaguars today. Coming up next, keep it right here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, uh, very excited about our next guest coming up here on Jaguars today. You know, we uh, talk about some of the all-time greats in Jaguar history, and we have a lot of them on uh, Mm -hmm. quite frequently here on the program. But uh, this offseason, we decided let's go into the archives a little bit, and let's talk to some important players in Jaguars history that we haven't talked to in a long time. Guys, you couldn't tell the complete story of the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise uh, with without having them included. No doubt, yeah. And our travels will begin out on the West Coast this morning. Mission Viejo, California, assistant high school football coach Rob Johnson. You know him as a fourth-round pick in the 1995 NFL draft by your Jacksonville Jaguars out of Southern 
Cal. Uh, two pretty good Southern Cal players in that draft that no year. Doubt, yeah. And uh, Rob joins us here, Mike Dempsey and Tony Smith on 1010XL. Rob, uh, good morning. First of all, appreciate you getting up early with us out there in California. How are things, man? It's great. Well, it's great. It's four kids getting them ready for school early. So I'm. this isn't. I've been up for a while. But yeah, yeah. You're, you're <laughs> thanks a, for having me. You're a full-time dad, full-time coach. Uh, yeah. we, we're happy to have you. Just tell, catch us up, man. Four kids. Sounds like the family life is going well. Tell us uh, how you're occupying your time these days. Yeah, uh, it gets filled. Um, sports nowadays, is, uh, is. I think it's all too much. It's, it's crazy. Um, I'm sure it's that way in Jacksonville as well. But um, it seems like all sports are year-round now. And so you get – you know, four kids, each in two different sports. It's uh, I'm just a Uber driver now. <laughs> I hear you, brother. <laughs> That's it. Rob, what was the experience like of joining the expansion Jaguars way back in 1995? It was uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. Just um, I I never lived anywhere else, obviously. So I was going all the way from Southern Cal all the way out, you know, to the other coast and. You know that couldn't have been better. Better the weather, the people. It was that was a easy transition. Um, coming in with Coach Coughlin, um, just the biggest hard ass. Um, and it was good for my dad. My dad's a hard ass too, um, so I was used to that, um, and I respond well to that. Um, didn't like it at the time, but uh, it couldn't have been a better situation for me. I, I actually wish I would have stayed there. I, I know I got traded. Um, you know, three three years in, but uh, you know, I wish I could have spent my whole career with with uh, Jacksonville and, and Tom. Hey, would the uh, Mission Viejo kids describe Coach Johnson as a hard ass these days? <laughs> what is your coaching style? I am not. I am good cop. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be. Um, I'm pretty laid back. I'm not laid back when I compete. Um, I'm pretty understanding. <clears throat> As far as um, I want this still to be fun for the kids, it, everything now is um, such high pressure. All these club teams out here, uh, you know, adults depending on kids for their pay, and um, you know, these kids aren't getting paid yet. Um, I guess now it's going to trickle down to high school with NIL, but um, for the most part, they're not getting paid, and I want it to be fun. Um, the only time I get really upset is if I'm not getting 100 percent effort, and I I rarely. I rarely get that. I mean, that's easy. Um, my my dad and my brother were were so tough on um, on the kids. If I was that way, it'd have been just too much. So, and it was easy for me, you know, because that's my personality is is um, is just to have fun and compete hard, but just still try to make it a game. So, Rob, you come here in '95. You're the 99th pick in the draft, very successful uh, career at Southern Cal. And you come in with your teammate, your blindside protector, in Tony Baselli. Uh, to, to come into the league together like that, did that help ease the transition for both of you guys, do you think? I, for me, it definitely did. Um, I'm not, Tony, uh, he was married, and um, he actually married a girl from my high school that I was friends with. Um, so, yes, it was very familiar. I think I slept on their couch until I got my own place. <laughs> so that, that helped. Um, yeah, it was different for me. Um, my, um, I, I screwed up the whole draft process. I didn't really work. Tom was the only one I worked out for that could actually draft me. Uh, my agent was Steinberg. He had 
three other quarterbacks. He wasn't having them work out, so he's like, you're not working out. And so I just followed along, and I ended up not working out at the Combine. I didn't work out anywhere. And I remember Tom came out and uh, was working out Tony, and we're roommates, and he goes, hey, Rob, you want to work out for me well, since I'm here? I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And he was like, well, oh, my gosh, that's not the word on you. And I was just like, oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. I just screwed it. Like, they just hit me. My dad's a coach. All I do is like to work out. <laughs> I mean, it's what I wanted. Like, and for him to say that, it just crushed me. And I was, I screwed up. And um, so I'm just so thankful um, that he was there and, and that opportunity presented itself. Um. And then, you know, once I got drafted, it was just, it was just time to work. I'll give you a quick story. Um, so um, people were walking out of our training camp. It was so hard. Um, I think we had 30 straight days of, of full padded two-a-day practice. And we had 100 guys because we were expansion team. So guys were just walking out. And I remember one night, Tom was all over me because I was, I had fell so far in the draft. I, th- I don't know. I was just, uh, I was just a guy, he, he yelled at a lot. So um, one night I was complaining to my dad, <laughs> like my dad's like, what are you doing, Rob? And I'm like, oh, it's 1030 at night. I'm in a training camp, getting ready for bed. And he's like, what's Tom doing? And I said, well, he's probably working. And he goes, yeah, shut the F up. <laughs> my dad was sick of hearing me <laughs> complain. And it was like, okay. And, um, ever since then it was, I was like, all right. And I knew I was going to be prepared. Um, and it was uh, it was the best situation for me. Rob, you were a part of that team in 96. We we talk about that run a lot, especially this year with the way the Jags ended this season, ended the playoffs. It reminded a lot of the fans around here of that run you guys had way back in 96. What is your most vivid or best memory from that run into the playoffs all the way to the AFC Championship game? Uh, the most vivid is that I think it was Morton Anderson from the Falcons missed the kick or we're, we're out. <laughs> It was um, it was the last game we were playing the Falcons. We had to win to get in, and um, we didn't play our best game. And they were going down to to beat us, and he missed the chip shot. Other than that, the uh, I remember us being. It was we went to Pittsburgh. We had lost. We just cut Andre Risen, and um, when we went on a run, uh, we were, I remember. Uh, the uh, veterans meeting with Tom and it was, it was bad. I, you know, I didn't know it was our second year. I think we were, were we four and six or four and seven? Um, yeah. Four and seven, four and seven. Yeah. And we just, for, I don't know, we got on, we got hot, we got on a run and, and that was it. Uh, I'm very happy that happened. And then uh, we made it all the way to the championship game. Um, we actually had a really good shot in that game. We were, I think it was, I forget what the score was, but we were driving to tie the game. We threw a pick in the end zone, and that that kind of sealed it. Then uh, James Stewart fumbled right into a guy's hand. He returned it for a touchdown. So the score got out of hand, but we were right there. We were right there to go to the Super Bowl. It was, it was kind of crazy. Yeah, we're talking about that. You know, you got to capitalize, man. Like the Jags this year, you know, you look and you're like, all right, you, you should be happy they went from the worst team in the league in back-to-back years they won a playoff game. But then when you look back, Rob, and you realize, you know, one or two plays go a different way and you're you're moving on and you're playing again. Um, talk about that aspect of, of you know, 
did you think you're going to get all these opportunities throughout your playing career? And ultimately, you had that chance as a Buffalo Bills quarterback in the postseason, put your team ahead with 16 seconds to go, and you know one of the all-time plays uh, that we'll remember with the Music City Miracle uh, is the thing that kept you from being a playoff winner. I mean, do, do these guys realize when they're young in their career how few opportunities may present themselves? No, they don't. And it's funny you mentioned that because I remember – when it was our second year, we went to the playoffs in Jacksonville. We had a big team meeting, and and the veterans got up and said, "Hey, this is very special." There was like we didn't have a ton of vets, but all of them like there was like maybe one person in the room that had been to the playoffs, and so I I got that I understood that early on, but um, you know you're young, you always think there's gonna be more, and in Buffalo it was worse because we were still on. Um, we're, we still had a bunch of the older guys. And so they, you know, we're getting into salary cap problems. And so after that year, they got rid of half our guys. And so the next year we were eight and eight. And then you see the, like, then we went full rebuild. And I didn't understand that at the time. Um, so that really hurt. So we went from playoff, playoff, eight and eight to just, just the Texans. Like it was bad. And, um, so that, you know, and then you're basically done. I got hurt. Like, it just, it's that quick. Um, so, yeah, they, you have to capitalize. You don't know when you're going to get back. Every team, every year is different. Um, the magic that you have, the run, uh, it's just, you have to capitalize when you get it. We had it in Tampa. I went to Tampa after Buffalo, and you could just tell that team was was loaded. But um, we still, um, you still need breaks. We had breaks that year, you know, to win it all. So, um, yeah, you never know. You never know. In the game you started to open the 97 season, Rob, you hit Jimmy with under six minutes to play for the 28-yard touchdown that won the game that day. We're going to see Mahomes play a Super Bowl on a high ankle sprain this weekend. You had your own ankle problems that day. (laughs) How bad were the ankle injuries that you played through? See, that I had a totally high ankle, and I couldn't believe Mahomes. I don't know if technology is different. <laughs> it is It is one of the most painful things. I ended up playing the, the game on it, and I completely – I couldn't even walk. I remember I told Tom I could, like, maybe go in the fourth quarter um, if we needed it against the Giants the next week. Um, but he knew I, I, I was in a cast, um, and I wasn't right until the off season. It, it's, it, it's one of those, you know, you hear high ankle sprain. You don't think it's much, but it's like having a broken leg. Um, there's a ligament that holds the two bones on the outside of your, um, that go down the outside of your leg, lower leg. And it just, that thing rips. And so your bones feel like they're, they're pulling apart when you're walking. It's, it's so painful. The the fact that he went through that game, um, I know it was a playoff game and to get to the Super Bowl, so you got to go, but yeah, he, that, it impressed me. But you Very know what? painful. Yeah. Talking here with Rob Johnson, former Jaguar quarterback. You obviously impressed the league with your debut. You were the uh, you set a record for the highest completion percentage by a quarterback in his debut that day. Twenty of twenty four, two hundred ninety four yards. Threw for two touchdowns. Ran for another one. And Rob, honestly, I mean, you know this. You you go down in Jaguar lore in part because that is the game that induced the Buffalo Bills to come knocking, and they were looking for their quarterback. And they end up trading a pair of picks 
to the Jaguars that turned into Fred Taylor and Tavian Banks. And, and Freddie goes down as arguably the greatest Jaguar to ever lace him up. Uh, you'll always be connected with him. And, you know, in, in that standpoint, your name gets brought up a lot when we talk about Jaguar lore. Uh, do, do you enjoy that? Is it an annoyance to you? Or, or do you kind of like the fact that, you know what, uh, look back, I got traded for one of the best running backs to ever lace him up. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I could have been that good for Buffalo. <laughs> that, you know, that was for you guys. Uh, yeah, I just it just for whatever reason I, I had some really good games in Buffalo. It just I got hurt a lot. There was uh, quarterback controversy. I didn't realize how popular Doug Flutie was up there. Um, it was kind of it was kind of weird because they signed me. Doug was kind of just an afterthought, and then. Um, he is like a god up there. Like Toronto's an hour away, and that's where he played in the Canadian Football League. Um, I don't want to say I never had a fair shot, but it was like it was. It wasn't like a nice little transition where, um, you know, you're the guy, you got a free run of it. And so I kind of played like every game was my last, and it wasn't smart. Like, um, you know, taking too many hits, never giving up on plays, and and. Um, not really built like Josh Allen or some of these right. guys. Um, and so I just got hurt and beat up. And so, but, um, you know, I, I don't regret it. It was, it was, um, it was a fun time. Met a lot, a lot of really good people up there. Uh, but like I said, Jacksonville was perfect for me. They had one of the best old lines of the league. They threw the ball downfield, the coaches there, this, the weather, um, and I know you guys have Brunel and stuff, um, and he was great. But, uh, you know, hindsight, I wish I um, just could have been the guy in Jacksonville. Hey, you know, uh, certainly you had a much more successful career than almost anyone who's ever played football, right? Most guys don't make it to the league, certainly don't last as long. You got a Super Bowl ring with Tampa. Uh, you got nothing – uh, to be uh, embarrassed about about your career uh, compared to most guys who've ever played the sport. Uh, but from your perspective, as you said, you you know you wish it had worked out here for you to be the guy in Jacksonville. We've got that guy now who we think is going to be the guy for a long, long time. From your vantage point on the West Coast, uh, what impresses you about the game of Trevor Lawrence? It's funny. We I was on a family vacation last year in uh, Cabo, um, and Trevor was there checking in. <laughs> and I think he, I don't know if he's on his honeymoon or I don't even know if he's married. He's with his girl. Um, I just said, Hey, congratulations, Trevor. I didn't tell him. I just said, Hey, good luck. Um, and I saw him around a bunch of that time. Uh, it was small world. And, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got your guy. Um, yeah, you just got to, I mean, you guys got it set up for a long time now and you got the right coach down there and, you see how much coaching matters. I mean, he was, I mean, you wouldn't even known how much talent he had with uh, Urban Meyer down there. And now um, it looks like you guys are set up for a nice tenure or however long he plays career. Um, the most impressive thing was the four picks that he threw and how he came back from that. That's, <laughs> I mean, that is, uh, I know I didn't throw a lot of picks and I was devastated when I threw them. And the fact that he threw four in the first half and then came back, thats that to me says more than anything. How much do you keep in touch with any of the guys from the time that you had here in Jacksonville? Did you have 
a favorite teammate while you were here? Oh, God, I mean, Tony was one of my best friends. I was in his wedding, and I just, they had a big thing out here for SC at, at, at USC for him when he uh, went into the Hall of Fame. So I went up there and saw him. I actually met the owner's um, son. He seemed like a great guy. Um, um, so I, I met all the new people uh, with Jacksonville. Jeff Kopp is still one of my best friends. Um, he was a linebacker. I played with him at USC. He still lives down there in Jacksonville. Yep. Um, yeah, he's he's those two are the closest. Jeff's I'm still keep in touch. Whenever uh, he comes out, we go out. Um, we used to train together. Um, I, he's my financial advisor still. Um, so yeah, and I we even actually with all <laughs> during COVID and the pandemic out here. Uh, we didn't. We wanted to uh, move. <laughs> I was thinking about going to Jacksonville, um, but uh, yeah, California got a little weird during that time. Still a little weird, <laughs> man. You know what? It's weird <laughs> everywhere right now, brother. Let me just tell you, it's weird everywhere. Yeah. Uh, by the way, as you know, man, Jacksonville has got some gravitational pull, man, because so many of your era's uh, teammates ultimately decided to settle here and uh, just absolutely love it here. So it's great to hear that you still have fond memories of this place, Rob. You're always going to be thought of fondly because you've got that connection with Freddie T, man. But we're just glad to hear you're doing as well as you are out there. got the family rolling along, uh, all the coaching. And sounds like uh, Rob Johnson's life is is in a pretty good place right now, man. So we appreciate you taking a – walk down memory lane with us here. Wish you all the best. And, you know, if the Jags uh, are able to make that that postseason run uh, one of these years, uh, the Super Bowl's in Las Vegas next year, Rob. Maybe we can meet up on Radio Row uh, around oh, that this sounds, time. That sounds great. I, mean, I appreciate you guys having me. And, and uh, yeah, everything's going great. All right. Well, listen, nice man, all the best to you, and uh, thanks for your time this morning, Rob. Oh, anytime, guys. Thank you very much. You got it, buddy. We appreciate it. What a good guy. Yeah. Rob Johnson right there, Tone. And, uh, you know, look, it, it's just you just don't know. No, what, yeah. what what happens if the Music City Miracle never happens and Rob Johnson has led his team? He didn't have a great statistical game, but when the game mattered, was on the line, he led the Bills down to take the lead on a 16 seconds left field goal. Yeah. How often are you going to lose that game? Almost yeah. never. Well, and it's it's interesting to hear him, and again, I haven't heard from Rob Johnson. You know, Years. It, you know, it's been so long since you've heard from him, but to hear, and it sounded real, you know, that it's like, yeah, I wish I never would have left Jacksonville. Right? Yeah, like, I that, wish it had worked I'm glad, out. I'm glad it worked out the way it did Yeah, with the Jags getting Fred Taylor. I'm not saying I want to change that history, but it's cool to hear from the guy on the other side of that trade that he's like, nah, I, I didn't want to leave then. I wish I had never left. Well, the other thing, think of how, you know, Lee, Lee Steinberg, super agent, Lee Steinberg, almost can't say the two without one or the other, right? If you say super agent, you think Lee Steinberg. It's, they go hand in hand. Gave him bad advice, mm-hmm. right? In '95. Now, Lee Steinberg probably has given better advice than not, <laughs> right? To yeah. most of his clients. We remember we sat down with him with Patrick Mahomes when yeah. he was coming out. And he's like, Our goal is to get this guy to be the number one pick in the draft. And we're like, All right, buddy. You know, <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, but he went, what, 10th that yeah. year or something like that. And so he. Certainly was a lot closer to where we had. That was just at the time where Mahomes was being speculated as maybe he sneaks into the very 
end of the first round, yeah, right? Top second was a lot of the talk with him. Yeah. But but here is is Lee Steinberg going. Well, my quarterbacks who don't need to prove anything to anybody are not going to work out. So don't work out yourself. Yeah. And and it, you got to wrap. Yeah. Around that's, the league. That's not the book on you. Heard you don't want to work hard. Oh my god. Oh no. Right. And he still <laughs> was impressive enough physically. Yeah. That Tom Coughlin selected Rob Johnson with the 99th pick in the draft that mm-hmm. year. So, anyway, appreciate him stopping by. We're going to try to do uh, more of these kind of uh, walk down memory lane interviews with some guys who have particular niches in Jaguar history, and certainly Rob does and will always have that connection uh, as part of the Fred Taylor, Tavian Banks coming to Jacksonville deal. So, halfway home, appreciate Rob stopping by. Hope you enjoyed that interview, and uh, feel free to make suggestions on Twitter or the text line of other Jags kind of in that category, not the Jimmy Smith, Fred Taylor level guys. We know you'll love to hear from them and we'll continue to bring that, but who are some of the uh, almost forgotten players from the history of this franchise uh, that you can't tell the tale of the Jacksonville Jaguars without hearing from? Uh, we'll have more of them coming up throughout the course of the offseason. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and ET here with you. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, here we go. Hour two. Thanks again to Rob Johnson for joining us in the first hour today. We'll try to bring you uh, one of those kind of throwback interviews every week here, at least for a while, as we move through the offseason on Jaguars today. We're talking about Jim Brown earlier. Our question of the day uh, in honor of LeBron James setting the all-time NBA scoring mark last night. What is the most impressive stat or record uh, from the NFL that you are kind of amazed by? And somebody mentioned uh, Jim Brown never tackled for a loss. Uh, this one from Steve. And I haven't, like, you know, I don't have the ability to go through the Jim Brown film no, at the yeah. moment. But Steve sent one in on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Said that Bob Schmidt of the Steelers tackled Brown for a safety so I assume that was for a loss of yards. I would uh, Had concur. Had to be, yes. Had to be. So, yeah, I, I found it hard to believe. That sounded more anecdotal, legendary yeah. than anything. Probably not very often was he tackled for a loss. Like, like kind of like, like James Robinson. James Robinson's not Jim Brown, right? But James Robinson rarely got tackled for a loss, Tony. If he got hit a yard deep in the backfield, he'd pick up one. Yeah. instead of getting tackled for a loss of one. I did. I was looking at a bunch of Jim Brown stuff trying to find if anyone could – you know, say yes, he never got tackled for it, right? right. And one of the things, I found a list of things that Jim Brown had done in his career, and they mentioned that throughout his career, he had one game where he averaged less than one yard per carry. One. And that was a day where he had uh, 14 carries for 11 yards against the uh, Baltimore Colts at the time. Now, in that game, he happened to catch a 58-yard touchdown pass. Okay. So, he still but had no, an impact right. on but the he, game. But he obviously lost some yardage somewhere yeah, along the but way. But somewhere along the way, he did. Now, it's it's remarkable. I've talked about looking at his pro football reference page before, right? And you get the bold type when you lead the league in mm-hmm. something. And you go look at Jim Brown's page, and it's basically all bold. Yeah. Right? Like, it is remarkable what Jim Brown was as a player. Yeah, no question about it. So, uh, you could share your thoughts with us on the most uh, – impressive in your mind NFL record or statistic whatever that happens to be like the things that impress me are not necessarily records uh but a lot of it is like what a guy was able to do compared to his peers in a certain era 
kind of stuff. Uh, James on Twitter uh, just sent us a photo of his Rob Johnson number 11 jersey. Mm-hmm. Been rocking it. Uh, still rocking it in 2023, he said. As a kid, he was so stoked that he, we had a quarterback that had his last name. So uh, there you go. Um, sure, there are probably a few number 11s floating around out there. And, you know, at the time, who knew what Brunel was going to be, right? I mean, it was a weird situation. And uh, the Jaguars spent a lot, took a lot of shots, you know, bringing in Burline, bringing in Brunel, bringing in Rob Johnson, and uh, let him battle it out. And Brunel rose to the top of the heap. And you wonder with Rob Johnson, that high ankle sprain, Tony, kind of, in some ways, worked to the Jags' favor. Mm-hmm. You just don't know what would have happened. He had that start. It was so spectacular statistically against Baltimore. 294, three total touchdowns, no interceptions. Big guy, could move. Uh, he looked like almost a precursor of the quarterback of today, yeah. right, where, where mobility is seemingly a feature in just about every quarterback coming out of college these days, just about. Yeah. And so he puts up those numbers, and as you mentioned, he was dealing with that ankle injury that day, in and out of the game multiple times, and it kept him from playing. As he said, I, he could go in in an emergency capacity, like the next week if necessary, mm-hmm. and would have ended up starting a few games at the beginning of that year because Brunel was hurt. He also played well in the preseason yep. that year, but he tantalized – the NFL decision makers enough, like you saw, oh, well, high ankle sprain, that'll heal. And, you know, and as Rob said, you know, circumstances, man. I mean, Flutie was uh, an icon, a phenomenon. He goes into a situation where the team that acquired him, the fan base is rooting against him. He signed a, a five-year, how about this, five-year $25 million yeah. extension. It was fun going back and looking at all the, you know, the Rob Johnson stuff to get ready for him coming back on with sure. us and seeing that five-year $25 million deal. So I went and looked. That'd get you half a season of Mahomes these yeah. days. There are 14 quarterbacks in the league last year who averaged $25 million a year. That Right. 14. 14 of them. Right. And it's only going to give you an go idea, up, 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 Right. Of how much the money has changed in 30 years in the National Football League. Five years, $25 million was really competitive for a quarterback when he got traded to the Buffalo Bills. And now that's what the, half the league is getting on average. You know, and the book on Rob at the time was he didn't want to throw it. He didn't take chances because some felt like he was trying to protect his quarterback rating, right? Mm-hmm. And and you heard what he said, like, the, I felt like I had the pressure on me that I could never throw the ball away, that I hung on to the ball, and he took a ton of sacks, and he didn't he have did, a body yeah. that was built for it, right? Like, he was tall, he was a big guy, but he, like he said, he's not Josh Allen no. uh, built. So, anyway, some interesting stuff there. Let's get back to the lines at 641-1010. Sam and Nocatee is next here on Jaguars today. Good morning, Sam. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, so I just saw on Facebook, um, this was pretty interesting. The, the Eagles starting offensive lineup, uh, uh, 10 of the 11 guys were all drafted by mm-hmm. the Eagles. Yeah. And uh, I, I thought that was interesting because they compared it next to the uh, the Chiefs, and it was totally different. So just, just thought it was kind of cool. That's it. No, it is Talk cool, and, and appreciate it, man. And, you know, but what does it prove? That if you have the right quarterback – both styles can work, right? Like yeah, you the said, the Chiefs have what five? Yeah, I, I mean, think? which is probably you know, like most teams probably have about yeah. five or, or six. Uh, but yeah, I mean, outside of AJ Brown, right? They're they're basically all 
homegrown guys, and which really highlights how well they've done drafting offensive linemen yep. over the years. I mean, that's really the thing. I mean, like Devontae Smith, he's a Heisman winner, right? You trade for A.J. Brown, he's already shown you that he can play like a superstar sure. at that level. Took a chance on Jalen Hurts in the second round. It paid off in spades, but that wasn't a sure thing at the time. And, and not only have they drafted well, they've developed these guys as well. It, look, you know, I'd love for the Jags to be a completely homegrown unit, right, that shows that they've had the foresight to make the right picks, mm -hmm. make the right decisions on who to retain, but – it's not the situation they find themselves in. You know, hopefully going forward, we get more and more of that, you know, where you get a draft where you get a Trayvon Walker and a Devin Lloyd and a Luke Fortner and, and guys like that. And maybe Chad Muma one day, you know, moves into the starting lineup and you're getting like four long-term contributors slash starters out of a single draft. That's what you got to start stacking up if you're this team. They did it the year before as well. And, uh, you know, but uh, in the end, as long as we got the one homegrown guy at quarterback, I don't think anybody really cares if the Jags win it with a bunch of mercenary no, yeah. <laughs> ultimately, you know, and I don't think that was Sam's point. Uh, but it is pretty uh, interesting, the contrast between the way the two teams that are playing on Sunday were built. No doubt. I'm, I'm smiling because Trevor Lawrence has put out a letter that he penned for the Players' Tribune. I haven't read the whole article yet, but... I've read the first few paragraphs of it, and if you were wondering if he heard all the noise halfway through last season, that B word being thrown around by some with Trevor Lawrence, oh, he heard you. He knows exactly no what doubt. was being said, and he comments on it in what he wrote. It's pretty cool, at yeah. least through the beginning here. Well, um, well we've got some audio from uh, Trevor on CBS Sports Radio that we'll get to coming up here as well. As uh, somebody suggested, hey – uh, why don't tomorrow you take a look at uh, D-Rock's work over at ESPN uh, where they had all the different team correspondents participate in redrafting the first two rounds. Well, since D-Rock's not going to be here tomorrow, we may do that coming up here in just a few minutes and take a peek at that. Uh, everybody loves a good let's go back and fix our mistakes one year later. Uh, at least it's uh, part of the cottage industry in NFL coverage out there. 641-1010 if you want to be a part of it. This is Jaguars Today, Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E.T. on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I mean, you guys got it set up for a long time now, and you got the right coach down there, and you see how much coaching matters. I mean, he was, I mean, you wouldn't even known how much talent he had with uh, Urban Meyer down there, and now um, it looks like you guys are set up for a nice tenure or however long he plays, career all Jags, all NFL, Jaguars today on 1010XL. That voice, of course, former Jaguar quarterback Rob Johnson. The He and how long he plays is number 16, Trevor Lawrence. And uh, Tony just directed me to theplayerstribune.com. And on the break, I was able to get through the letter to Jacksonville mm -hmm. from Trevor Lawrence. And uh, you're definitely going to want to read it. And it's going to get you fired up and wish the season was starting right now. It really will. Like, <laughs> yeah. did, were you able to make it through the whole thing? I haven't read the whole thing yet. Okay, no. I, I got through the entire thing on the break. And basically, it's a thank you to the fan base for not giving up on the team when things look dark, right? And, he, and Trevor admits in this, and you can go to theplayerstribune.com. It's right there. You'll see it right at the top. Mm -hmm. Um 
first thing you'll see is with Trevor Lawrence writing this piece uh, here, which is a pretty cool outlet that they have where players can talk directly to whomever they want uh, with this kind of stuff. But, you know, Trevor infamously said, Tony, coming out of college, he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. Oh, he doesn't love the game as much. He's not a competitor. He's not this. What? Well, no. Why did he have a reason to have a chip on his shoulder? He never lost, right? Like, you yeah. know, um, so he talks about how that first year changed things, how, you know, he heard, like you said, the bust talk, but that his belief in, in Marissa, his wife's belief in him, kept him on track, but then gets into the importance, the hire of Doug Peterson, the the fit, yeah, and the belief that he helped instill in not only Trevor, but his teammates as well. I don't know. Look, who knows what would happen? Maybe Byron Leftwich leads him to an 11-6 and six record, right? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. We may look back. I don't know if it's, you'll ever be able to top the importance of hiring Tom Coughlin because he helped build the organization from scratch. But, man, you want to talk about doing a 180 on where things were headed. Trevor admits in the in the piece he was wondering, would guys ever want to stay here? Would they ever want to come here in the first place? Yeah. And now he's like, oh, my gosh, it's like night and day. Yeah, Like everyone's like a family. They can't wait to get back after it. Uh, pretty pretty fun stuff to yeah. read through this. The uh, The quarterback for your team gets it, right? He just gets it. And to start that letter with, you know, being down the way they were in that wild card game and looking up behind him and as he's getting ready to go in for that final drive of the first half and then looking behind him at the stands and saying, nobody's leaving, <laughs> right? Like that made an impact on him on the sideline. Nobody's leaving, right? There is a belief. There is a love for this team in this city. And then to close it with, as you just mentioned, he writes it in there. How will we ever get guys to want to stay here or even come here? That was the thought a right? year ago. Like that was the thought he was having as he was going through what he was going through in his rookie year. And a year later, he looks around and he's like, what Doug has done, we're family, right? Right. Like, now we're pissed that we're not right. still playing. Right. Like, yeah. We can sell that. Yeah. Like, like we have something real to sell to people who want to come be a part of this. Come get a piece of the rock. And that's not how he felt going through his rookie year. He didn't have a reason to. That it only took half a season to get that belief. And this city, we've talked about it since we've been here, Mike. It's there's nothing like when the Jags are any good. They've just been waiting for it. Yeah, there's nothing like it. And they give them that for half a season, and it looks the way it did in that Week 18 game and the way it did for that wild card game. They're willing to do that every week, give them a product that's worth doing it for. Everyone, I, I say everyone, a lot of sports fans, myself included at times, we mythologize people, right? We try to create and build them up to be legends, and and everything that they do and say has so much meaning. Yeah. But, and, and it was, so knowing that, right, not trying to make this bigger than it is, but in this, he talked about, you know, that kind of crisis of the soul where he's been called a bust. He, things, he finally ran into difficulty on the football field mm-hmm. for the first time basically in his life that he couldn't just throw his way around. And talked about again, uh, he and Marissa, his wife, talking about, why they were here. And let me just read you a piece of one paragraph here in the middle of this um, piece by Trevor Lawrence. Again, this is at theplayerstribune.com. 
Uh, and he said, in her, meaning Marissa's belief in me, meant so much because in talking with her, we just kept coming back to the idea that we are here for a reason. And we really do feel that way. We feel like Jacksonville is our home now. We badly want to be a part of turning this thing around all the way around. So I knew I just had to block the noise out. And again, like, again, I'm not Trevor Lawrence. It's not this mythical figure. He's a, he's a guy who's a really good quarterback. Mm -hmm. He's a great quarterback prospect. Who's got talent. Who just went to his first pro bowl. And we hope has a wonderful career laid out in front of him, but he is a guy who's also a, a, a man of faith. Right. And, mm -hmm. and the, the whole idea that this situation we're in the right place. We're supposed to I'm be where there. I'm supposed to I'm be. I'm where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And, and I, again, you know, who, two bad years in a row, things can change, right? Who knows, yeah. right? But it, it really, you you read this and you get continued confirmation of a guy that loves the spot he's in, mm -hmm. loves the fan base, loves the city, wants to be – realizing what it would mean to be the guy to bring that championship to this franchise. I mean, it's it's legendary stuff if you're able to accomplish it. And the way it comes off, too, is he's feeling the losses, right? Like, it comes off as a guy that when it's low, he's low, right, with the fan base, too, and is – trying to find some way to pull them out of that together. And it does feel like it It at least comes off as a real, we're going to do this together type thing coming from Trevor Lawrence. It's, we, we were so thrilled when they got locked in the number one spot knowing that Trevor Lawrence was going to be coming here. It's even better than I imagined it to be. As far as the fit of Trevor Lawrence in this city and the way that he talks about this community, this fan base, I mean, it, it can't be better. I, I can't imagine it being any better. He, he's, you know, he's mostly a low-key guy, right? Yeah. I mean, he stands up there in the postgame, whatever. But I can hear the competitor in him in this one little paragraph when he's talking about after the loss to Detroit, he mm -hmm. and Zay Jones went over to Christian Kirk's house, and they sat there, and he said, all season I'm looking at the standings and trying to figure out are we still in this thing. And we, yeah. it dawned on us like we probably can't lose another game. So we went to Tennessee, beat them, beat the Cowboys in OT. Shout out Jenks. <laughs> Went to New York Thursday night. W beat the and, and just the way he starts to get on a roll, like he's like, "Yep, check, check, yep, check, yep. check, check." <sighs> Can we kick the season off yet? No, no probably doubt, not. Yeah. All right, uh, let's uh, let Tony Smith take you around the National Football League. Now, gems around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. The Tennessee Titans are promoting Tim Kelly to be their new offensive coordinator. Kelly spent last season as the passing game coordinator for Tennessee. San Francisco is hiring Steve Wilkes, who went 6-6 six and six as the interim head coach for the Carolina Panthers last season, to be their new defensive coordinator. And Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers still hasn't made any decision about his playing future. And with all options still on the table, including a return to Green Bay, a potential trade, or retiring from the NFL, Rodgers told the Pat McAfee show yesterday that he will be going on a darkness retreat, which will include four nights and days in total darkness, no phones, no tablets, no books, only people delivering food, and just a slot where it's dropped off. Darkness and self-contemplation for four days, trying to get that DMT bump. Without the actual ayahuasca is what it sounds like to me. Uh, whatever, man. I don't yeah. know. I just uh, like um, I'd try it, you know. But I, I don't. I don't have the 
a life of leisure that would lead me to spend a bunch of money for people to lock me in a room with the lights off. Yeah. And and I guess what do they do? They they bring you um like food. I'm I doubt they're bringing you soup. Maybe like <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How the whole I mean, thing if you, are you in complete yeah. darkness? Can you see a little bit when it's meal time? I don't know. Maybe he's fasting in there, Tony. Good for you, Aaron I actually Rogers. read a little bit about it, and apparently it's usually like a week to two week long deal, and they will have, it's kind of therapy sessions in the middle of it. Okay. When you're doing the, the intensity of that two weeks. The way it sounded like to me, I don't know what Rodgers is planning on doing. You know, I have, I have no idea. But it is, you get enough time in the dark, right, and you start getting that DMT hit. Like, that's what happens. Your brain gives you that. It's hard to get somewhere where it's actually dark enough to do it, apparently. Right. But, but it'll it'll happen. You sit in the dark long enough, it'll happen. You'll have some kind of hallucinogenic experience. All right. Well, there you go, kids. Um, weekend plans. <laughs> Clear the decks. Here we go. Turn off the lights. The party's over or just beginning, mm-hmm. as the case may be. All right. So, I guess we will not get to redrafting uh, the draft uh, until tomorrow from <laughs> last year. Uh, the piece over at ESPN, but uh, definitely go check out at the Players' Tribune a letter to, what is it called, a letter to Jacksonville Mm -hmm. by uh, Trevor Lawrence, and you'll fall in love all over again. (laughs) It'll be great, and you'll love it. And uh, it does. I I mean, you got to, not only a guy with that that drive and that, that fit, but the talent to, Put it all together, man, to, yeah. to be, from a sporting standpoint, legendary. Yeah. Legendary. We get to sport. go through the next 12 to 15 years of drafts and not worry about a quarterback. How good is that? I mean, we we love those 90s teams. They gave us some thrills yeah. who got to two AFC title games. The first Jaguar team to hoist it? Whew. All of them. All 53, man. Yeah. You know what? We'll be Somebody will be doing a show in 2074. Let's get on. Uh, you know, whoever, whoever yeah. the, the third string, uh, the, the guard who only played special teams yep. back in the day on that championship, the first of many championship teams here in Jacksonville. All right. We've got the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day that is sitting out there. And, uh, today we asked you in honor of LeBron James breaking the NBA's all time scoring record last night. In your opinion, what is the most impressive all time NFL record or stat? We'll discuss that. And more when we return in a moment on the other side with Tony Smith and ET. I'm Mike Dempsey. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. All Jags, all NFL. Jaguars Today on 1010XL. All right, some of the reaction we've had to uh, Trevor Lawrence's letter to Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. Uh, includes on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Wasn't expecting to cry today. Thank you. Uh, also, not I'm not crying. You're crying. Yeah. God, I love having our guy and more of that similar uh, ilk over on uh, the Twitter side of things as well. So, uh, Trev, getting you fired up here this offseason and uh, take a few moments out. It's not a super long piece. Uh, you can read it in five minutes or less. Uh, at the Players' Tribune, an open letter to Jacksonville from Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Demetrius Harvey will join the program tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, from the Florida Times Union. We'll be sitting in studio with us. We have confirmed with Mr. Harvey, so uh, we're happy to have him coming on board. Uh, this one from Mark 
had to stop mid-read a couple of times with the Trevor piece and try to control the goosebumps. So good luck with that yeah. one. It's a goosebump inducer right there. So, uh, all right, we're excited. Uh, tomorrow we got a lot of uh, – it's been kind of a busy week of topical stuff, and we haven't really dove into the Super Bowl all that much. We'll do the, a little bit of that with Demetrius, but we're certainly going to uh, lean on his expertise uh, with his thoughts on the Jags' season that passed and what they need to do this offseason to improve upon 2022. But uh, today, Tony, we've got the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day in honor of LeBron James breaking the NBA's all-time scoring record last night. In your opinion, what is the most impressive all-time record or stat in the National Football League? Let's discuss. 10-10-10. take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 10-10 take. Brought to you by Northern Tool. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. All right, what jumps out at you, Tony Smith? Uh, Derek Thomas, seven sacks in a game. Comes to mind. Uh, the Brett Favre streak is incredible. I mean, 297 games is ridiculous. Uh, especially for a guy who didn't exactly avoid contact all the time um, in Brett Favre. I did look at a list of these kind of things, and a couple of them kind of jumped out when I was looking at the list. of okay. the uh, One, Jim Hardy, who you may not remember the name, but in the 1950 season opener, Jim Hardy threw eight interceptions in one game. Oh, no. Right. And then the next week. Trev was making a run at him, huh? Yeah. And then the next week threw six touchdown passes in a 55-13 to 13 win. But I don't know in today's NFL if you would be allowed to stay in a game where you're going to throw eight interceptions. I don't know what this scenario would be. I mean, again, Trevor threw four. And, yeah. you know, it's a playoff game. There, there was never a thought they were going to pull him, but. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe five? Yeah. Like, if he threw two or three more in that second half, and now it's like 50 to seven. Then, right. Then maybe, well, who knows what if they're If he's doing. allowed to even go back out there on the field. And the but other, if it's a regular season game, they're they're no, yanking no whomever. Chance. Yeah. Probably. Uh, there are a lot of these kind of points scored in an NFL game, right? Like, one player scoring this many points in an NFL game. I thought this was interesting. Don Hudson... Scored 29 points in a quarter. My gosh. Right. Uh, he scored um, four touchdowns and was the extra point guy for the Packers that day. So, he, he scored 29 points in that quarter. Well, how did he get the 29 then? Because they had five extra points. Someone else scored a touchdown. Oh, somebody else scored. So, they scored five touchdowns in the quarter. He scored four of them, kicked all the extra points for him that day. Wow. Uh, probably, to, honestly, and I hate to give anybody Miami Dolphin related any credit for anything because uh, they are the scourge of the earth. But, I got to say, they're no longer records. But, Dan Marino's 1984 season. Yeah blows my mind still to this day Dan Marino that year threw for 5,084 yards mm -hmm. a record that was not topped until 2011 okay it's been topped uh, 11 times mm -hmm. total so you've got the 12 uh, actually there are a few that came in just over 5,000 you've had 14 seasons 15 seasons of a quarterback throwing for 5,000 or more yards Marino's stood as the only one for two and a half decades. And still, those 48 touchdown passes that year are tied for fifth all time. Yeah. Right? That wasn't broken until Peyton Manning threw 49 in 2004 
Uh, Brady in 2007 then upped it to 50. Peyton Manning then pushed it to 55 where the record stands today. Mahomes matched the 50 in 2018. So you've had three 50 touchdown seasons, 149. Dan Marino in 1984 threw for 48 touchdowns that year. <laughs> that that season was so far. It'd be like if you took like a Babe Ruth season and dropped it in the middle of right, yeah. 1973 or something like that. You're like, what? These, these are video game numbers. Really, when you look at the, the career totals, for Johnny Unitas and Fran Tarkenton as well, the numbers they were able to put up as passers in an, the era that they played in compared to what teams do now. I mean, the, the all-time passing marks are just littered with guys that played in the last 20 years. Yep. And Unitas and Tarkenton still hold up pretty well. Unitas at 40,000, think about the, all the guys that came after him uh, – Almost every single one started their career after he was done playing completely. Tarkenton was his one contemporary. So, uh, is there one thing in, in football, a, a stat or a number that has always uh, kind of boggled your mind? Every every time I see Jerry Rice's his career, everything. <laughs> Jerry Rice's career of receiving yards, ain't nobody touching. The, there, no one's touching the receiving yards, the consecutive games with a catch. I mean, basically anything having to do with receiving. He put the bar so high. Now, you can make maybe argue that, you know, look, we, we can contemplate it today asking this question saying non-Tom Brady related, right? Because you can just go down and just go Tom Brady this, Tom Brady that, right. Tom Brady the other thing. and uh, But Jerry Rice, because of his comparison to the players who played his position, still has a great argument as being the greatest yeah. to ever play. Yep. I mean, he's still over 5,000 yards clear of anybody. 5,000. <laughs> yeah. Somebody said uh, on uh, the text line, let's see if I can find the exact numbers here because they're coming in uh, in a bunch of different directions. The comparison uh, of Emmett Smith's numbers compared to what Derrick Henry would need to do. Derrick Henry needs like 1,500 yards to catch Emmett Smith. Oh, I'm sorry, 1,500 for the next 6.8 seasons, right, <laughs> on average. Like, so 1,500 more yards for the next six years is not going to get you there, uh, Derek, or or anybody else for that matter. That and will, he is the highest on the active list. Derek Henry is, right? And he's, he's six full all-pro seasons away from getting within striking distance of Emmett. Never will happen. Uh, at least not now. And who knows if it'll ever really happen. Even though you have more games now, the the game has gone to such a passing game, and yeah. I, I don't see it taking the swing back in the other direction. It's just so fan-friendly. Uh, here's some of the ones we got. Uh, Tom Brady playing in 10 Super Bowls, winning seven from Scott. Uh, 274 consecutive games with a catch by Jerry Rice. This is pretty good. Uh, from BCB Ocho, the Steelers only having three head coaches since 1969 wild. is unbelievable, yeah. right? Uh, Rice's career yards, uh, Trevor throwing four touchdowns after four interceptions to come back and get the dub, said Mark. Uh, Rob Johnson would agree with you. He was very impressed by that. Uh, yeah, this is the one. Here it is. Henry needs 10,021 more yards to break the record. He's right around the corner. You know, just uh, <laughs> I so, so crazy. not even halfway there. Is, yeah. And he's the the – Active leading rusher at this point in time. Uh, let's see. Single season rushing record, almost impossible these days. I don't think that's the case. I think I could see a season 
where somebody tops Eric Dickerson. Yeah. Right? I, I could absolutely see somebody getting to 2200 in a year. Question is, can they have the longevity? With, and plus, with the money they make. Who wants to take all those hits for that many years, right? I mean, if you're a guy who's going to rush for, let's say, 15,000 yards, mm-hmm. you're going to be such a multi-millionaire by the time you retire. Is your incentive to hang on? Hey, you got 15,000 tone, and you're like still so <laughs> still right, yeah. some great years behind catching. Uh, Bruce Matthews, we mentioned that one consecutive NFL starts for a non-quarterback. Uh, Dolphins 17 and 0. Eh, it is a record, uh, the most wins without a loss mm-hmm. in a season. I think it'll be broken one day. I do think somebody will go yeah. undefeated in the National Football yeah, League. I saw the 49ers at one point in the late 80s, I believe, had an 18-game road winning streak in the league. You know, that's that's pretty lofty territory. Yeah, that is yeah. pretty ridiculous. So, I mean, look, uh, I'll, I'll take – I don't need seven. I just want one Yeah. for now. Just give us one Lombardi here. Uh, on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, Trevor's just a dude who plays football. This is the guy for Jacksonville. Doug Peterson is the guy for Jacksonville. This team changed players and fans' lives last year. So, again, this is you're starting to get into that lofty <laughs> speak here. But you know what? If your life is wrapped up in being a fan and that's a big part of yeah. your community, I get the sentiment. It's so much more than what we see on the field. Love it. Uh, they continued there. So, again, go to theplayerstribune.com. Read a letter to Jacksonville from Trevor Lawrence if you haven't already. And fall in love all over again, <laughs> baby. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. All right, tomorrow, Demetrius Harvey uh, will join the program. And thanks again to Rob Johnson for stopping by today to take a walk down memory lane with us on Jaguars today. Let's say hello to XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet, keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Hi, Mia O'Brien is here. Hello, Mia. What's up? How we go? How we doing? We're doing quite well. I I don't know if you have read it yet. Did you oh, read the, did. the letter to tweeted. Jacksonville? I just tweeted that I, I teared up. I teared up reading it, so, yeah. I think, right. But I think also... I, I will I, say I did yeah. not. But okay, I did. I, um, I imagine a lot of Jaguar fans will. Yeah, well, I teared up, and then I later tweeted it, um, you know, as someone who had to answer questions myself, uh, especially when I decided to come here full-time at 1010 and remain in Jacksonville despite having other offers elsewhere. Um, looking at you, Tampa and Orlando, who said, why would you want to stay there? Why would you want to stay with that team? You listen to this. And you know that he was going through the same thing in the last year, emotionally. Not that, obviously, you know, he was going to pull a Jalen Ramsey and ask to be traded, but that last paragraph where Trevor talks about looking around and saying, how on earth are we ever going to get guys to want to stay and play here? And now a year later, you have everyone and their mother seemingly wanting to be here. Yeah, I, I find it hard to believe anyone would question a decision to make a career move to 10-10-XL. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Trevor Lawrence <laughs> would probably give up throwing the rock right now if we had an open time slot, Maybe. I would assume, Tony. But uh, who knows? That's a conversation for another day. Are you guys getting Andy Staples on today, man? Yes, the plan is to get Andy Staples coming up at 2 o'clock. We also are going to have Brandon Merriweather joining the program. We have uh, a ton of Leon's legends joining us over the next few days as we talk Super Bowl and what it means to have played in one of those. And so we got Brandon Merriweather today at 1240. A couple more coming up in the days ahead as well. And, of course, we also will dive into Aaron Rodgers' darkness treatment uh, because that news didn't break until late in our show yesterday. Matt Hayes actually Googled there are several of these darkness facilities in Florida. 
Um, so maybe we like go try it out as a as a collective. And, I don't know. And may, may, report back. Maybe we could just make some money and and cover our windows and do it ourselves. Why pay big, somebody to go sit in a dark room when I'm you can just black, black yeah. out the light in I'm, your house? I have been team blackout curtains from my days in news since I was 21 years old. Uh, so, you know, my room is already pitch black. Yeah, the, the bedroom or uh, the bathroom of our master bedroom has no windows. I could do this anytime yeah, I like. Exactly. Tony. And, uh, you know. The food wife, coming down the. My wife the, could slide the, it under the door. Right, yeah. exactly. Well, no, it's coming through a chute, apparently, Whatever. twice a day. That's for him. We don't need a fancy chute. Yeah. Right? No, that's fine. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. keep, keep expenses down so we can make more profit. Uh, if anyone wants to come to my house and live in my bathroom for four days. Yeah, I was about to say, I do, I do have questions about four days spent in the dark. How do you find the bathroom? Or like, like what's the plan? Yeah. I don't know. I think you could feel that. Like, how do blind people find it, right? It's not yeah. that hard. It's like there's a toilet over there like six feet away. Yeah, but it's like being struck blind and then trying to find yeah, the toilet. I was thinking I, about like, it when I was doing yoga this morning. I'm like, so is he just meditating for four days? Like, is that it? I'd be sleeping my ass off. Is yeah, what or I'd are be you doing. sleeping? Like, that's what I was I mean, like. Right. What, what do you do for four great. days? I don't do you know. you just think? That's a scary thought, Aaron Rodgers. Like, thinking. I imagine it would freak you out to close your eyes and nothing changes. Yeah. Like, I've experienced that when I've gone, like, caving or something yep. like that. Mm-hmm. When you're in something that dark and you close your eyes, like, nothing changed. Like, that, it has a mental effect. You're like, what is happening? Spelunking today with yeah. Tony Smith uh, coming up. <laughs> The new podcast. I can't wait. 1010XL.com. Well, we've been talking about 1010 Plus because the, the listeners are clamoring for a JJ only show. Uh-huh. That's no. going to be on 1010 Plus. Also with a Campo Hour joining him. Hey, each, JJ each wants 11 at noon. We'll be happy to show up <laughs> for an hour. There you go. Day. So there, there you go. go, JJ. Just throwing that out there. All right, me. Have a good show. Thank you. Today, XL Primetime coming your way. Tomorrow, Demetrius Harvey will be in studio with us Friday. It'll be Tom McManus, thanks for playing along today. Thanks to Rob Johnson for joining yeah, the program. Fun. It was a good uh, walk down memory lane. Good to hear he's doing as well as he is out in California right now. But uh, definitely sounded like he missed his time here in Jacksonville and even uh, has contemplated moving mm-hmm. out this way uh, in recent years. So uh, you can go check that out on demand on the 1010XL app or on the website 1010XL.com. That'll do it for us today. Uh, didn't give you a reminder on the Fred Taylor flip card thing. You can go back and listen to either of the last two shows. We'll give you one more tomorrow on how you can enter, and uh, hopefully by Friday afternoon I'll have a winner uh, determined on that one. That'll do it for us. For Tony Smith and E.T., I'm Mike Dempsey. Thank you for listening to Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Yo, Jacksonville. Man, y'all get off of T-Law.